This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Okay, so really quickly, Matt Marchese, our producer, uh, sending this tweet out, say, uh, Merrick and Frege talking about Sergei Bobrovsky's Hall of Fame candidacy. Perfect question for at Adjusted Hockey. That's our buddy Paul Paduti, by the way, who has the uh, has the very sophisticated way of analyzing who belongs in the Hall of Fame and who doesn't. So Paduti responds, uh, they're in luck, Matt, have touched on it lately, see below, uh, as he's been in the news. His case is growing, but still not there. Even with potential cups, Smythe, and two Vesnas, he's mixed some poor years in with the great, and the Hall of Fame is tough on goaltenders. That's the key phrase for me. Hall of Fame is tough on goaltenders. That's the one area when I've talked to people um, on the on the vote on the selection committee, you know, that we keep coming back to is they need to let more goaltenders in to the Hockey Hall of Fame. The uh, the passage to entry for your defensemen and your forwards is a little bit easier than it is for the goaltenders. Now, Paduti also says. Uh, not the jinx uh, the Florida Panthers run in the slightest, but a Cups uh, and Con Smythe would really move the needle on Bobrovsky's Hall of Fame case. PPS, that is a Paduti Point Share, which is a real nice branding initiative. PPS score would rise to 302, and the standard for entry in the Hall of Fame, 315. He would, however, instantly pass Anderson, Habibulin, Vashon, who is in, Kelly Rudy, Mike Richter, and Sean. Burke. So that is the latest from our man Paul Paduti as, as it relates to Sergei Bobrovsky as we get ahead of ourselves here and the Hockey Hall of Fame. Well, for the Carolina Hurricanes, Sergei Bobrovsky probably looks and feels like a Hall of Famer right now. Uh, looks like he's already in the Hockey Hall of Fame based on performance. They can't seem to get a single thing by him. Uh, Corey Lavalette knows that all too well. He covers the Carolina Hurricanes, has watched every shot, every pass, and every save made by Sergei Bobrovsky from the North State Journal and The Athletic. Uh, welcome aboard once again to the program, Corey Lavalette. Corey, how are you today? Hey, good morning, Jeff. Doing well. How are you doing? Uh, I am well. So just talking about Sergei Bobrovsky there a couple of seconds ago and, you know, getting ahead of ourselves and saying, look, man, if the Florida Panthers end up winning the Stanley Cup, he's going to win the Conn Smythe Trophy. He's got a couple of Vesnas in his hip pocket as well. You wonder about the Hockey Hall of Fame. That's getting ahead of ourselves here. But right now, uh, he doesn't live at Young and Front Street where the Hall of Fame is. He lives between the ears of every shooter on the Carolina Hurricanes team. What's the conversation right now around Sergei Bobrovsky? Yeah, I mean, everybody on the Hurricanes is giving him credit for what he's done. I mean, you can't, you can't really take anything away from him. He's been spectacular. Uh, you know, they feel like they've had their chances and maybe just haven't, haven't broken through yet. I talked to Brady Shea just a few minutes ago. We talked about he got... He got a shot from the left circle where he scored so many times this year, and he, he hits the crossbar. And, um, you know, so even the opportunities where you, you maybe get one by him, it seems like uh, the actual physical Hall of Fame is, is parked behind him in his net. And it, <laughs> there's, there's something keeping him from, uh, there's something keeping him yeah. from uh, uh, letting anything in. So that's been the, uh, that's been the case so far. What do you think the message is here from Rod Brindamore? You know, Elliot and I had a couple of moments before he came on. We we're just talking about it. You know, if you're Brindamore, you have to be selling this team on. You know, I know it's 3 nothing, but they're all one-goal games, and it's overtimes, and, you know, the, the margin for error is, is razor thin here. This isn't as if we're getting blown out every game. Uh, you know Rod Brindamore. Uh, you cover Rod Brindamore. What's the message coming from the coach here? 
I mean, that's exactly it. He's pretty much said that, you know, you can't change what you're doing right now. It's not like there's some massive adjustment that would change how this series is gone. They're playing the way they want to play. They're getting the opportunities they want to get. And the puck's just not uh, getting past the other goalie. So, uh, you know, I mentioned to Rod that the, uh, you know, it reminds me a little bit of, of two years ago against Tampa Bay where they, they find a way to win in game three in overtime. Jordan Stahl scores. Uh, and they come back in game four, and they get four by Andre Vasilevsky in the in the first half of the game. And you think, well, you're on your way. You've kind of, you know, got the got the got a got a shot in on the dragon, and now maybe there's a weak spot. And then Peter Morazza <laughs> kind of impl- kind of implodes, and um, you know, you lose six four, and then you're you're pretty much done for coming back for you know going back for game five. So, you know, that'll be the, uh, the big thing is if you can find a way to crack the mystique a little bit, maybe there's a, an outside chance you can make this mm-hmm. a series. Um, is there one player, uh, I know maybe the answer is the entire team, but is there one player that you're looking at right now and saying, look, this guy is just so incredibly frustrated. Like, I, I understand the idea that, you know, it, it might be a different series if the Carolina Hurricanes have – um, Andrei Svechnikov and Max Pacioretty available. They did get Tara Vinen back. Um, but if they have some of their you know, high-end, elite-level snipers in the lineup, we might be talking about a different scenario at this point. But you know, injuries, are, uh, you know, in- injuries happen, and it's, uh, it's, it's, it's part of the game, and every team goes through them. But is there one player, or are there a couple of players, Corey, because you know these guys, you're right there, that are really squeezing it right now and really seem frustrated more than anybody else? You know, I, I'm actually a little surprised at how uh, calm the team as a whole has been. I think everybody's seen the Yesberry Cook and Yemi stick tirade uh, after game three. So um, oh, yeah. obviously, obviously there's frustration, um, but they're not really showing it. You know, I uh, talked to Jacob Slavin yesterday and asked him about, you know, what, a, you know, how is this different than being in the whole 3-0 five years, four years ago against Boston? And he said, the difference is, is that, that that team was better than us. They were playing better than us. They're better than us. They don't feel like they're being outplayed in this series. Rod Brindamore said as much. He's like, the frustrating part is if you were getting outplayed, you could live with, you know, okay, they were better than us. They don't feel like they're being outplayed. And I think, you know, there's a maturity in this, in, in their room um, that understands that, you know, these opportunities don't come often, but they're not, they're not doing anything wrong in this series to justify being down three, nothing They're, You know, they were two bounces away from being coming here and being up two games, <laughs> two games to nothing. Um, so yeah. three, three, Oh, three, Oh is obviously a monster hole. And um, you're grasping at straws to think you're going to win four in a row, but um, you know, they got to start with one and that's the, I mean, it's the obvious cliche thing to say, but you can get a win tonight and go back home. Maybe, maybe you can spark something. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things I think that's um, that that surprised people here, uh, and this is with all due respect to, you know, the Florida Panthers blue line, but outside of Radko Gudis, this isn't a terrifying line physically. Um, you know, Aaron Ekblad's a big, tough guy, but you know, he's you know he, he's not going to be confused with Radko Gudis. Neither is Brandon Montour, Gustav Forsling, or Josh Mahura, or you know, go down to to Mark Stahl. Um, no one's going to be confused with, uh, with, with a, a hulking defenseman. 
Um, are you surprised, as anybody else here, that Carolina hasn't been able to get in front of Bobrovsky and essentially take away his eyes? I mean, this is the sort of bailiwick of a, a hardworking team that Rod Brindamore promotes here, and that's, that's sort of industry standard, is it not? I'm just thinking back to Rod Brindamore's career himself. Is that, a, is that something that the team has noticed, the team has talked about, you've noticed, your colleagues have noticed? You know, not being able to take Bobrovsky's eyes away here has been a, it's been a big problem for the Carolina Hurricanes. Yeah, you know, I feel like they've done a pretty decent job at that. You know, they've, they've cruised through the slot so many times and gotten tips that have gone wide. It's just one of those things, I think, where, you know, sometimes it doesn't go in for you. There's not, you know, Stefan Nason is, has great hands in front of the net, but there's no Joe, Joe Pavelski on this team who's going to uh, redirect everything he gets his stick on right into the corner of the net. So, um, you know, I, I haven't really had an issue too much with that aspect of their game. Uh, it's just, I mean, Sergei Bobrovsky has obviously been unbelievable, and uh, there's more you can do. And you know, if this is 15 years ago, you're probably uh, you're probably maybe taking it to the crease a little harder and seeing if maybe a, a bump or a "oops, I slid into the crease" moment shakes things up a bit. And um, maybe with some desperation today, that's what happens. I don't know. I'm certainly not endorsing running the goalie or anything, but you got to try something to get this guy off his game. And, um, you know, the, the Hurricanes don't have a lot of snarl. There's no doubt about that. But, you know, there's things you can do around yeah. the net to try to distract distract the goalie. You know, it, uh, it's, it's, it's so true. I don't think anyone is, is advocating or encouraging players to take, you know, like, you know, Bob Probert-style runs at goaltenders behind the net. But, you know, players have been known to get a little bit light around the crease and, you know, not be as as thirties. There's there's something about gravity and the blue paint for offensive players. They just go down easier than they do in the other parts of the ice. It's really a baffling concept, Corey. I'd never been able to figure out how big, strong players go down so easily around the blue ice. But nonetheless, there, like you know what I'm getting at. Like players can you know be sort of light lighter on their skates around a goaltender and do things, I guess, as we like to say, accidentally on purpose. And I'm with you. I'm quite surprised that we haven't seen that yet out of Carolina. Yeah, and I mean, like I said, that's not really their game. It's never been their game. But, uh, you know, desperate times call for desperate measures. And I think, you know, uh, they have to do something to try to get into the get into the psyche of, of, Andre, of, uh, of Sergei Bobrovsky and just kind of, Maybe set yeah. a little seed of doubt, a seed of doubt somewhere that you know, hey, this isn't your your series to win by yourself. If the Carolina Hurricanes lose tonight and get swept by the Florida Panthers, first of all, man, we're looking at a long break here, and you know, we'll see what Vegas does with Dallas. But we're looking at a long break without hockey here until the Stanley Cup Final gets uh, gets underway. Um, but what would it mean for the season? Like, how will you look back at this season if it's all over tonight? for the Carolina Hurricanes? You know, after last season, I wrote that it was a disappointment, that the, all the success in the regular season didn't mean a whole lot given what happened in the postseason and them, you know, losing to the Rangers in Game 7 of the second round. You know, I don't want to say that everything they've gotten so far to this point is gravy, but when you think about all the losses they've had, you know, you can't, you can't say it's a a huge disappointment when, you know, you've advanced to the Eastern conference final without arguably your most talented player. Um, and then, you know, the Max Pacioretty thing is what it is. Like he didn't play a ton of games here, but 
that's a, you know, that's a big piece that they didn't have all year long. So, I, you know, it's hard to say, uh, you know, oh, my God, you, you failed and the team needs to make sweeping changes. Yeah. Now, that, that said, there's a ton of cap space here. Um, so they've done a good job with that. And if, if things don't work out, you know, this, this team doesn't mind shuffling the deck a little bit. That's for sure. And um, so, you know, they tried it last year. I mean, Matthew Kachuk could very easily be on the other side of this series or would Florida be here if Matthew Kachuk was on the other side of this series. Um, So that, you know, you know, they're going to swing for the fences and, and try to try to make big moves. People say they don't, but uh, they're in on everything. So if if things don't work out this year, they're going to go into the, into next year with the same mindset. They um that that is the curious case of the Carolina Hurricanes because you're right they're they're in on everybody you know like they were in on Jack Eichel, um all the, all the big names that that are out there like they're Don Waddell and the you know the the owner Tom Dundon like they're very much in on everybody, but as you know the Carolina Hurricanes this is this is Dundon's philosophy they have a price and they won't pay a penny more whether that's for a contract or whether that's for a trade. Like they have, they have everything fixed, and sometimes, as you all know, it takes an overpayment to get the player, just to get the player. But I think one of the reasons why Carolina hasn't been able to land the quote-unquote big one, where teams like Vegas have, is there's a pa- there's a there's a point pass which uh, the Carolina Hurricanes just refuse to go, and that comes right from the top of the organization. Yeah, I mean, I. I- totally agree with you. Um, you know, their mindset is they, they don't want to be a team that is in Chicago's situation. Uh, now granted Chicago won their Stanley cups, you know, a while back, but they don't want to have this bottoming out that you see a lot of these teams have. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, and, you know, you mentioned Tom Dundon, Tom Dundon sees the postseason as a bit of a crapshoot. You know, there's, uh, you can build your team for the regular season, and that's the important thing is getting into the playoffs. And then after that, you know, look at Florida. Florida's uh, got in and has a goalie who's playing out of his mind, and here they are. So, uh, and, you know, yeah. and we shouldn't discount what Fre- Frederick Anderson has done either. If, if Frederick, if, if this is a, uh, you know, a 2-1 series right now either way, we're probably talking just as much about Frederick yeah. Anderson as we are Sergei Bobrovsky. So, um yeah, I mean it's it's hard to get it's hard to get those guys for sure, but um, you know, I, like like you said, they're in on everything, and uh, it'll be an interesting off season because there are you know some names that are come off the ledger, but there's also a ton of cap space. Interesting times uh, as always. Well, we'll uh, watch this one. Um, I know there's a lot of nervous anticipation uh, around a lot of the Carolina Hurricanes and certainly their fans. Uh, we'll be tuned in tonight to watch this one, Game 4, Carolina Hurricanes and the Florida Panthers. Could we see handshakes? If not, we're going back to Raleigh. Corey, as always, thanks so much for stopping by, pal. Really appreciate it. Anytime, Jeff. I'm going back to Raleigh either way. So <laughs> <laughs> That's called home, Corey. That's called home. Uh, the great Corey Lavalette from uh, North State Journal and The Athletic as well. Um, thanks to Corey for stopping by as, as, as often as he does. He's, he's one of my favorites, as I'm sure you could tell. Uh, a couple of things here before we, uh, before we get going to the top of the hour break. Maddie, if you're not cutting audio right now, um, so some news from Dallas Stars camp. Peter DeBoer saying that Jake Ottinger will indeed play game four against the Vegas Golden Knights. Also, uh, I'm not sure if we have the audio yet, Jamie Benn 
has just spoken to the media. Last night, Jamie Benn did not, uh, as we talked about as well um, uh, earlier. Uh, but Jamie Benn has now started talking to the media. Maddie, do we have any clips of Jamie Benn? We do not uh, because we're waiting on the Stars website. Um, they're just kind of we're waiting okay, to turn so some here's, stuff over. But I have the quote if you want it. Okay. Yeah, so he, so right. here it is. I mean, Jamie Hirsch just uh, tweeted this out as well from NHL Network. So Jamie Benn spoke to the media. Oh, boy. Said he wished he would have fallen on stone and used... Uh, said he would... Sorry. Said he wished he wouldn't have just... I can't speak today. Okay, folks, this you morning we have bought a new tongue, and I'm just breaking <laughs> it in here on the show. Said he wished he wouldn't have fallen on stone, and he used his stick, quote, as a landing point. Yikes. From now on, I hope everyone, when they cross-check someone, they say, ah, I wish I wouldn't have used my stick as an impact point. <laughs> so basically, Jamie, Ben, and the Stars did not want him to speak last night because <laughs> they wanted to come up with, how is the best way for you to say you cross-check the guy in the face while falling on him? Oh, I got it. Don't use his face as a landing point. <laughs> So it's, it's not a cross check. It's a landing point. <laughs> oh, Kellyanne God. Conway, alternative facts, <laughs> landing points. There's a, there's an additional Maybe quote if you want it, Jeff. Yeah, what's the other one? So this one from our pal Wish because they asked um, they asked Jamie Ben about uh, if you know if they'll use that defense when talking to player safety. He says we'll probably go through the whole play starting from our end, and I'll try and tell them how I was feeling and what was going on in that situation. Wow, how I was feeling. So I was angry. <laughs> That's why I did it. Well, this is an opening case. He, he hey. He was angry, George. We can't do anything. <laughs> this is unbelievable. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. Uh, the, hear- the hearing will happen later on today. <laughs> I don't know that that's done any good for Jamie Ban. Landing point. It's cross-check. Spade hockey for how long? It's cross-check. How I was feeling, you're angry. I was angry and I cross-checked him. It's not a defense, it's an explanation. I got angry. I hit him with my stick when he was on the ice. Hearing later on today. Greg Wyshynski coming up in hour two. Craig Conroy, general manager of the uh, Calgary Flames. Keep it here. Merrick's show continues across the Sportsnet Radio Network. More Leafs, more Raptors, more Blue Jays. The Fan Morning Show with Ailish Forfar and Justin Cuthbert. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Okay, welcome back to the program. We are uh, standing by for Craig Conroy, the new general manager of the Calgary Flames, as announced yesterday. Uh, and he will work alongside Dave Nonis, 
um, who's now the Senior VP of Hockey Operations and Assistant General Manager um, for the Calgary Flames. Brad Pascal gets the, uh, the bump up VP of Hockey Operations. Chris Snow, VP Data and, and uh, Analytics and Assistant General Manager as well. So that is the uh, the brain trust at the top of the Calgary Flames organization. Uh, one of the next steps is finding out who's going to coach this thing. Craig Conroy joins me now. Craig, first of all, thanks for joining me, and, and congratulations. I was texting with someone yesterday and said, so, well, what did you think of the Conroy presser? And the text back was, he hit all the right notes. Uh, did you feel like you hit all the right notes yesterday? You know, I'll be honest, I was a little nervous going in. Uh, I hope so. You, that's always you want to come away and have someone else give you that feedback. Okay, we liked it. Or, you know, sometimes they say, well, we didn't like this or we like that. But, you know, I, I thought it went well. You know, it's nice when, I guess when I'm sitting there and I'm looking at everybody asking the questions, I've known them for years, some for 20 years. So it, yeah. it makes it definitely a little bit easier, uh, names, faces, familiarity with everybody, uh, so I was kind of glad it was over because those are, you know, I was, I'll be honest, like I wasn't sleeping well the night before because you're, you know, the nerves are there. It's like before a big game. So, sure. you know, once we got through that, I felt much better. You know, when um, when the the news first broke that that Brad Treliving wouldn't be coming back as as the general manager, and you know, a lot of times in the, in this job, you know, sometimes it's the the first name that you hear, which ends up being the name ultimately at the end, and the the person who ends up getting the job, and you were the first name to uh, to appear. Um, before we started to hear others, um, at, at at what point did you think uh, along this entire process that you had more than a better chance to get this gig? You know, I think it probably I knew it was, it was a long process, and I knew Don had multiple meetings. That's the one weird thing is when you're in the office, you know, he's having the meetings in there, and I'm in, you know, just ten feet down. I'm in my office, so I knew he was going through, uh, and I knew there was going to be great candidates, and you know, you're just thinking, okay, I got to try to separate myself. You know, you put your resume together, you put your mission and vision statement together, and you know, you're trying to trying to compete. The one thing. You do maybe have a little bit of a leg up on is that you know the players, you know the people in the office, you know everybody, but sometimes mm-hmm. that hurts too. And they say, yeah, maybe we need a little bit of a change, you know, because Brad did such a great job when he was here. And a lot of the stuff we're going to do is, is going to be very similar, you know, and we're going to try to change some things. But, you know, he kind of had a role in it, and there was a reason, you know, they were hoping he was going to come back. You know, one of the things that uh, that a lot of people picked up on uh, yesterday was your discussion about Johnny Gaudreau and how that situation went down and how the Calgary Flames can't be put in that situation uh, again. And we look at, we look at the list of, of of pending unrestricted free agents um, for the Calgary Flames, and there's a there's a lot of work for you and your staff to do this uh, this off season with all of them. Um, I don't know how to describe this. Is this, in your mind, going to be a situation where, you know, we need to know whether you're, you know, uh, whether you're in for the long haul here, and if you're not, then we're going to try to accommodate you somewhere else. Is it that simple, or is it more complicated than that? I mean, it really is kind of that simple. I mean, there's more to it than that, but you want to find out people's what what they want to do and you know like i said the other i had such a close relationship with with johnny and you know i felt very comfortable obviously we had the same agent we got him signed out of college got him signed the second deal Mm -hmm. and i just in my mind i always thought you know and i think i even went on the radio which i I learned a lesson and said no it's a done deal we're going to get this done and 
and obviously that was a, a huge learning curve for me because when we didn't get it done at the last minute, uh, I was shocked. You know, I really was. I never didn't yeah. think it was going to happen. It was disappointing. But I, I sat there probably in my office. I shut my door and I was like, wow, I totally misread that. You know, that was that was a mistake. Mm. But it was a, a learning curve. You know, you're you're going to learn things. And even though I wasn't the GM, I felt like that was something I should have should have known. It, it was it was disappointing. And with seven guys this year, it's mm. it's that much more important to to kind of figure out where each guy stands. You know, it, it's um, th- there was so much yesterday in that. Like, uh, I, I, as a mem- as a media member, I thank you. I mean, this was this was a real gift of of a, of, a, of a press conference. There was there's so much to, to, so many talking points coming out of it. And you know, one of the things that uh, that I wonder about too, because you talked about blending in youth with this team, and I think there's been a a clamor for that around the Flames organization. And whether it's you know, um, Mac uh, Coronado, whether it's Poirier, whether it's Dewar. Um, Dustin Wolf uh, is another one that comes to mind as well. Do you have an idea of where the organ, how comfortable the organization is moving in so many young players all at once? Like, is there? I don't even know if you have a magic number. Like, okay, we're we're comfortable bringing in you know two kids that haven't been here full time before, maybe three kids, or maybe only one kid. I don't know. Is there a is there a sweet spot for you there, or does it all just depend on what happens in training camp? Well, it really depends. I, I guess what happens with the the seven UFAs, you know, if we do make if we have to make trades or, you know, we're moving past guys. But I do think there there needs to be some opportunity. Would you like to have a couple? You know, you, you don't want to rush anybody, and that's what I I, I didn't really get in the press conference that I don't want to rush people. But when I'm looking at our American League team, and I'm thinking, you know what, we're the best record in the American League team. Uh, unfortunately, we lost in the playoffs, but these guys are proven they're some of the top players in the American League. We need to give them a chance. We need to see if they can do it. Mm-hmm. And if that's two guys, it's two guys. If it's three guys, three guys. If we have to get an older player uh, and because we only feel one or two guys can do it, that, then we'll do that. But we definitely want to give them that opportunity at training camp, and, and I'm hoping they grab it. I mean, that's what you really want from the players. But when I watch other teams and I've, I've seen call-ups and, you know, I'm thinking, man, these, these young guys are just so skilled, so good, and it's not like when I used to play where it was clutching and grabbing and holding and, and speed and skill really mm. wins out today, you know, where it used to be big, strong, you know, you have to battle through, you can barely get to the net. Uh, it's just not the same game anymore. So young, young players can definitely uh, jump in and help the team uh, sooner than later, for sure. When you're, um, and I was speaking with Craig Conroy, the new general manager of the Calgary Flames, when you're, uh, when you're deciding on a head coach, um, as a uh, as an organization, and I, I know that listen, I know that uh, that Daryl Sutter had a lot of uh, success offensively, but the accent with with Sutter was always uh, on defense and 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 playing the other side of the puck, not just the offensive one. Well, in the back of your mind, how much are you thinking about you know what you want this Calgary Flames team to look like, to play like? Because one of the things that I think a lot of us have been discussing is you know the Calgary Flames here have the potential both on the roster right now and with players coming up from the from the Wranglers, they have the, the makings of a really interesting offensive team. When you're deciding on a on a head coach, is that in the back of your mind? You know, who's going to coach this thing with more of a offensive accent, or are you just thinking, I just need to get a coach in here that can that can relate to our players? Well, I definitely want them to relate to the players, but also, you know, I de- my 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 big thing as a player, even 
in the defensive zone from the red line back playing in the defensive zone, I love structure. I love because it was easier for me to play that way because I just knew what my job was. Mm-hmm. Everyone kind of knew what their job was. And then kind of when you get to that red line and going in on, on offense, I want guys to be creative. I want them to do things. You know, they have special skill sets. You don't want to limit them to say, hey, we just want to, you know, do one thing or the other. You want to be creative. You don't want to kind of put them in a box and make them do it. What makes these guys special is how good they are offensively. So you want to put them in a situation, and I'm hoping that's what I'm looking for in a coach, that, hey, we're going to have structure defensively, but I am going to allow them to be creative in the offensive zone. So, I mean, when we go through the process, and I'd like to see maybe – you know, sometimes I'd like to see uh, the usage. You always want to get your top guys out there a little bit more, you know, and I think in some of the ice times and games I was watching, and we've had so many close games, what I'd like to see maybe every now and then some of our top guys play a little bit more. Yeah, so that would be an, another thing I would be, I've been thinking about. Mm-hmm. Um, does Mitch Love need to show you anything else at this point? I mean, he's, you know, AHL coach of the year a couple times. And I know it's disappointing uh, in, the, in, in, in the playoffs against a, a really good Coachella team. But um, does Mitch Love need to show you anything else or is his resume already out in front of you? Well, it's nice because we, we know Mitch so well. I mean, it's right there. I mean, you're right. I, I don't really need to, to see any more. You know, Mitch and I didn't, our relationship, we didn't, you know, I'd go down and see him, and, and but we weren't as close maybe because Brad Pasco was running the team. You know, he'd be down there more than me, yep. but I've seen all I've needed to see for Mitch. I mean, he's he's proved himself. That he's got a, you know, the way he runs his teams. I get to see behind the scenes of how he how he works, and he's he's done an amazing job. Yeah, I can't give him enough credit. You know, we talk about um, you know moving in younger players to take to take other positions, either from you know from uh, from players who won't be back because of expired contracts, uh, or players who won't be back because their contracts will be expiring next year and they're not going to commit long term to the Calgary Flames. But what about the market itself? Like, what about you know what happens by way of you know free agency on July first? Um, the trade market always uh, uh, always available to you. Um, do you see yourself being frisky in both? Well, you know, I guess the, what I haven't really been able to do is kind of reach out and I've gotten texts from uh, GMs and talked to people, but we've had our amateur scouting meetings here. We're going through that right now. You know, obviously we're putting a list together for the coaches. It's been pretty hectic, but, mm-hmm. you know, I do think if moving forward, when you do talk to different teams, I think there's going to be some interest in our guys. So it'll be interesting to see what those conversations are like. I haven't had those yet. I mean, it's, you know, day two. Uh, but I know it's going to be quick with the draft coming up, with everything we have to do. Uh, I, you know, I'm looking forward to kind of reaching out, you know, talking to all the other GMs and just see, uh, you know, what their thoughts are, what they're looking for. You know, is is there something to be done between us? And, and then I'll kind of take it from there. Well, the nice thing is um, other GMs aren't pirates, and they won't try to take advantage of you at all. Um, when you have a lot of players that are available, they'll be very kind and very generous and, and, and very thoughtful. Um I am curious about, you know, what the, like, Craig, what would you be looking for? I'm not going to get into any specific names, but what would you be looking for in a return for any, because you have some really big names on this team that could be available. Um, What would you be looking for? Are you looking for younger players for the future? Or if you move one of your, you know, big dogs, uh, are you looking for players that can help right now? 
Well, I think you'd love to get, you know, picks and prospects or, or a roster player. You know, with some of our guys, I think they're, you know, high, high-end players. And just I know the return, what it was like at the trade deadline. Now we're in, the, you know, we're getting ready for the draft. So I understand it's a little bit different. Um, but I do think if, you know, moving forward, we'd be open. Hey, if there's a trade to be made for a player, uh, picks prospects you know i think you have to be open-minded because you don't know what's going to come but kind of as you see what the market is for different guys and then we can you know that really helps you figure out which direction and path you're going to go you know it's just going to take a little bit of uh, it's conversation and and see what the interest level of of our guys are and our interest level if our guys want to actually sign and come back which you know i think that's that's my first uh thing I need to do is is make sure I want to bring everyone back and bring the guys that want to come back. Obviously, with the cap, we're going to have to do something. But, uh, you know, we really like all, all seven of these guys. Uh, I, I think a lot of us who have seen Dustin Wolf play, you know, say to ourselves, is this guy's ready for the NHL? And there's the expectation that maybe as soon as next season, this guy's going to be playing in the NHL. There is the uh, the Markstrom issue, the Vladar issue as well. How do you see the goaltending playing itself out? That's probably the you know biggest challenge we have because it's a great thing though. We have three very good goalies and. You know, the one thing is we, we definitely want to get Wolfie up playing games, and, and he's earned it. He's proven himself at the American League yeah. two years in a row, uh, MVP of the league this year. It's it's amazing what he's done. And, and all we've ever asked is our players, hey, put us in a situation where we have to make tough decisions. <laughs> and Dustin took that to another yeah. level. But, we're, you know, he still he doesn't need waivers. Uh, it, it leaves us some room to maneuver for sure, but you're right. He, he definitely has proven uh, he, he's worthy of NHL games. Um, somewhere down the road, uh, should we expect to see Jerome Ginla with the Calgary Flames again? <laughs> well, Jerome is, uh, you know, Jerome and I've always talked about it. Like I said in the press conference yesterday, uh, you know, the passion, what he brings, being who he is in Calgary, you know, Lanny and him, probably those are the two, you know, the face of the franchise. So, you know, I know he's got a busy year this year, but I would love to have Jerome uh, be a part of this with me. And I think, you know, I got to reach out to him and find out exactly what he's feeling. But, uh, you know, from my side, absolutely. Uh, let, let, let me close on this one. Um, one question for you. I know you're real busy. Um let me ask you about Brad for living. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. he's uh, either he already has or he will be interviewing uh, with Toronto for you know Maple Leafs fans or wherever you know uh, Brad ends up. Um, what are what is the next team getting in Brad for living? Like, what did he teach you? What did you learn from Brad? What do you think people should know uh, about him, having worked so closely with him for the years that you did? You know, the first thing, Brad's a great boss. I mean, he, he treats you like one of the family, and, and that's what he really installs kind of in his little, in the office down here. You know, everybody's included. Everybody's a part of it. We, uh, you know, he's he's just one of those guys you want to be around, and he he's a worker. I mean, he has his pulse on everything that was going on in the league. You know, uh, if I walk by his office, if he shocked if he wasn't on his phone. You know, you know so he yeah. definitely is involved and knows what's going on uh, and he's got a passion for this i mean that's what i said i know when he left i 
I knew he said he was going to take a break, but that's not Brad. I mean, he can't, he's not going to take a break. He just loves it. He loves to be in the action. He loves everything that this job kind of has. And, uh, you know, and, and that's what I've, I've seen, you know, just to be able to, he goes, you got to make a lot of calls, Craig. You know, he's kind of walked me through how he's done things. And, you know, obviously yeah. you're taking the, the good things that you're like, well, those are really, you know, that makes sense. That makes sense. And then you want to put your own little spin on it. But he was, uh, you know, they're going to get a, a passionate, hardworking uh, person that's going to do everything they can to try to win. You know, whatever team he ends up with is, is going to be lucky to have him. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's the rep as we all know it. Um, you know, yeah. I mean, everyone spends a lot of time on their phone, but man, Brad Prolific <laughs> spends a lot of time on his phone uh, getting the, the pulse of the league. Uh, some classy words, Craig. Thanks, uh, as always, for stopping by. Uh, congratulations on the gig. Um, some big decisions on the horizon. Uh, I know you're going to have some difficult ones to make as well, but I'm sure you're going to have uh, a lot of fun with this team as well. Thanks so much for making time today. Much appreciated. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Craig Conroy is the uh, general manager of the Calgary Flames, and, man, he does have a lot of big decisions on the horizon for players that uh, won't be returning, won't be offered new contracts, and there are more than a few for players who are on expiring deals, i.e. one more. And so we look at Lindholm, and we look at Backland, and we look at Hannafin, and we look at Toffoli. Like, there's a lot of players on this team that they're going to need and have to attentive uh, that they're going to have to make uh, decisions on here. And I think one of the big ones is, is the net mining situation. Dustin Wolf is ready to play in the NHL. Anyone who's watched him knows that Dustin Wolf, uh, there's, there are no more, there are no more questions or answers in the American league for Dustin Wolf. This guy is an NHL goaltender. The problem is Jacob Markstrom, Dan Vladar are there. Is that going to be one of the whoppers that we see this summer coming out of the Calgary Flames organization? Uh, and then who is the coach? And I mentioned Mitch Love, but he won't be the only one under consideration. I think Andrew Burnett's going to get a lot of consideration there for what he was able to do with Jonathan Huberto um, and the Florida Panthers. Um, not exactly a secret that one of the things the Flames need to do as soon as next season is try to get Jonathan Huberto back to the spot that he was at two seasons ago thanks to craig conroy for stopping by thanks to the calgary flames for making him available thanks as always to greg wachinski who stops by every wednesday Corey lavalette from north state journal and the athletic and also elliot friedman from hockey night in canada and 32 thoughts the podcast 7 30 eastern tonight hockey central with your host ron mcclain uh the pregame show getting you set for game four maybe close out folks and sunrise Carolina Hurricanes look to stave off elimination and the Florida Panthers look to move on to the Stanley Cup final. Wow. Tonight, watch it. CBC and Sportsnet.